Welcome back to JRoot Radio. This is the Halakha Hour on Wednesday afternoons at 2 to 3 p.m. We are here live today. And if you hear this tonight, then you know that you're not hearing it live. This show, the Halakha Hour, will be repeated on again tonight at 11 o'clock. And let's give you the regular introductions before we get to today's class. The regular introductions are the numbers of the station. If you'd like to call in, if you have a question in Halakha, the number to call in live is 718-683-5858. Some of us maybe have forgotten the number. We're going to repeat it again. 718-683-5858. To text in your question or comment, you can text it in to 347-927-8398. Again, 347-927-8398. These are the numbers to contact us in the station. And like we say every week, if you'd like to ask your question offline, as soon as we finish the class, we'll be staying around for a few extra minutes. So we'll repeat the number later on by the end of the class if anybody would like to call in with any question. The ways to listen to us, you can listen to us on jrootradio.com. That's if you have internet. And if you have also the Pro app, that's really the best way. It's like basically a live radio going with you all the, all the time. And you can download it. It's the JRoot Radio Pro app. Also, we are on the website. We're on video live. So if you want to watch us live, okay, the advantage of that, I'm not sure exactly. But you can watch us also at jrootradio.com. Okay, let's get to the class. This is the Halakha Hour. Usually we would do the Halakhot from the book, the Benish Hai. However, being that we are in the season of the holidays, we're in Elul, we're exactly a week away from Rosh Hashanah. Next week, Wednesday night, will be Rosh Hashanah. And up till now, we've covered the main Halakhot of Rosh Hashanah. If you haven't heard it, you should go to the jradio.com website and you'll see over there the archives from last week and the week beforehand. The, two weeks ago, in the beginning of the Hodesh of the month of Elul, we spoke about the Halakhot of Erev Rosh Hashanah as well as the Minhagim and some of the Dinim of, on Rosh Hashanah. Last week, we spoke about all the Halakhot that one needs to know regarding Shofar. It was, it's actually a very, very recommended class. If you want to know what is Shofar and as far as the Halakhot are and every detail that you need to know, if you're about okay, even if you're not about okay. You should go listen to that class. And today, we should continue about the Halakhot Rosh Hashanah, but because we have much to cover, so therefore we're going to take a little bit of a break from the Halakhot of Rosh Hashanah. We will speak today about the Halakhot of Sukkot. Yes, I know it's a little bit early for Sukkot. So we're going to discuss Halakhot that are relevant now for Sukkot. Buying the Sukkah, setting up the Sukkah. I already saw people already put up their Sukkot. And it's never too early. I mean, it is a little bit sometimes too early, but mean to say this is a season anyway. So we need to cover, and we're not going to have time, just the week between Yom Kippur and the holiday of Sukkot. So we'll talk about it today. But today will only be part one. Part two will take place in the week of Sukkot. And although we usually are here together on Wednesday afternoons, next week, because Wednesday afternoon is going to be Arab Rosh Hashanah, the class will be pushed over to Tuesday at 2 o'clock. So next week again, will be Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Next week, we hope to, to finish up the Halakhot of Rosh Hashanah that are relevant just for that, you know, for Rosh Hashanah itself, like Yerub Tabshilin or whatever we have left over. And we'll see exactly how to go about and to finish up with Sukkot. Okay, let's get to that 
class today. Oh, dedication. Today's class is, on, is dedicated in honor of a special person, and that is none other than Rav Nisim Lazari. Him and the whole J-Root Radio staff, Iran, as well as David Levine, and every single person, every Rav, every person that's involved in the J-Root Radio, you should know your Mizakeh Rabim, and it's an honor to be part of this group, and everybody who is listening will nod their heads and say, yes, J-Root Radio, we miss it very much. Everybody's always asking me, J-Root, we, we want to hear it, we want to hear it. We have the numbers, we're able to hear it finally, Baruch Hashem. So therefore, we want to dedicate this to their great work and unending efforts. What we will discuss in today's class, not today's class, but the halachot for Rosh, for Sukkot, they might seem simple, you sit in the Sukkot, it's over. There's a lot of technicalities they're harder because you need to see lemaase. I could sit there and describe to you something that might take me many, many hours to explain, where in a video I could show it to you in about 15 to 20 minutes. And therefore, we recommend very, very highly that you watch some of the videos that we have regarding the holiday of Sukkot. Really, every single detail of the holiday of Sukkot almost needs a video. And to really explain it without a video is a little bit of a disservice, but what could we do? Even though I am on live, I know that we're, we're being videoed right now, but still I don't have a sukkah in front of me to show you. I don't have a lulav and a trog to show you exactly what to look for when buying the lulav and a trog. So therefore, we have some videos on the jradio.com website. The video is how to build the walls of a sukkah. That's one video. The other video is how to buy an etrog. It's not so such a, a great, uh, greatly filmed, but the information is very, very important and very applicable and relative. So therefore, you should watch it. As I said, we hope to, in the future, come up with all the videos and hopefully with the help of Iran and the BSD Productions, we'll have them also professionally made. The holiday of Sukkot is a seven-day holiday with the eighth day being Shemini Atzeret. And here in America, or Hutzalis, anywhere outside of Eretz Israel, we celebrate the holiday in an additional day, that's called the Sfekadi Yomash, which makes the holiday of Shemini Atzeret a two-day holiday, ending off with the final day of Simhat Torah. And therefore, there are many, many halachot regarding this whole major holiday that comes in right in the middle of Tisheh and towards the end of the month. Number one is all the laws regarding Sukkah. How to build it, where to set it up, what's the mizah of sitting in the sukkah, and everything. Pretty much that's going to be the main chunk of our halakhot. The second part of the halakhot also takes up about maybe 20 simanim and shuhana ruch, is the halakhot are the laws of lulav, etrog, and arbaat aminim. This is almost impossible to do on video, I mean on, uh, excuse me, to do on audio without a video. So therefore, we again recommend that you should go and look to buy some of the books that either show you in pictures how to exactly look for Lavin Etrog, go to a rabbi that's knowledgeable to show you what to look for. You can also look to look on the website as far as Etrog, Lulav, we have it unedited yet. I don't know if we're going to be, put, be able to put it out this year or not. But look out for these videos to show you, to guide you how to buy the Arbata Minim. The other mitzvot that are, that are in this holiday, we have a total of seven mitzvot in this holiday. The other mitzvot that we, the halakhot that we need to know about is a mitzvot that's overlooked a lot. But it's a mitzvah mit deoraita, and that is the mitzvah of v'samachta bechagecha, being happy during the holiday. This includes simchat v'teshoeva. It's not much halachot to talk about, but it's still a mitzvah there. The other halachot also, or the mitzvah, is the mitzvah of halil, although the rabbanan, but it's a mitzvah to say halil with a beracha fully throughout the whole holiday of Sukkot. 
then you have the halachot of Hoshana Rabbah. Hoshana Rabbah, Hazal tell us, is the final day which we could do something about our gizardin, our decree that's going to be decreed on Hoshana. Anything, if it's possible to be changed, then the last chance that we have it, we have that is Hoshana Rabbah. When the next day comes, which is Shemini Atzeret, it's already too late. Shemini Atzeret already, the Zohar tells us, that Kadosh Baruch Hu gives a decrees to the angels in order for them to go and execute what it says on the paper. Oh, you can tell me, oh, Chuba, Chuba, you can do Chuba all the time. True. But these are the days that are made for Teshubah. It makes it much easier. Later on, to do Teshubah, later on, it's much, much harder. It's kind of like, I'll give you a mashal. You know, when there's a store going out of business, they have a major sale, clearance. You have to, you know, everything is 50% off, must sell, must move. You got to buy everything now. And the prices that you'll find are very, very hard to find again because the store is going out of business. Now, is it impossible? Would you be able to find something maybe used or like semi-used and you'll be able to get it for very cheap? True, but after much search and you have to go wait online and you have to, you know, and who knows who's going to get it before you. There's very, probably very limited amount of uh, uh, things are available and it's not so easy. Likewise, Teshubah in this season that we're in right now in the days of Elul and all the way up to Shana Rabbah is much easier. The earlier, the better. But later on in the year, it becomes much more difficult. So therefore, there's also halachot of Shemini Atzeret, the holiday of Shemini Atzeret, as well as Simhat Torah. And that's a lot of halachot over there, Simhat Torah, what to do and what to look out for. So therefore, we have a lot, and let's get to it right away. Bazaar Tashem will begin with the halachot of Sukkah. Now, if you go on the archives, you listen last year, we also give the halachot of Sukkah. This class is going to be different from last year's class in the following. Last year, it was based on the Benish High. Because we're trying to also, besides our regular halakha class, we're trying to make the Benish High more accessible to everybody, really. Anybody who would like to learn from the Benish High would have over here a tutorial. You'll have the classes which go through each halakha in the Benish High, and, and it brings in all the post scheme of our days and the practicality of where it's practical, where it's not practical, where it's Kabbalah, where you skip or not. Today's class is a class that's not really connected to the Benish High. Obviously, we'll bring whatever the Benish High has opinion, we'll bring it in. But today's class is to focus specifically on the halakhot of sukkah and what to look out for. And we'll begin, first of all, with the most relevant halakha in this time of the year, or this time of the of this, you know, where we are right now of the year, and that is buying a sukkah. Buying a sukkah is not going to happen so easily between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. If you want to get a good sukkah, you want to know to look for sukkah properly, you have to do your preparations from now. To learn the halakhot, to learn what to look for, and to go buy it now before it gets too busy, and, and then you get whatever's left over. So, Rabotai, we know this happens every single year. And every single year, you still, you, there's always going to be people, besides there's going to be another 10,000 people who are rushing right before the holiday of Sukkot to buy lulab and they're talking to buy a sukkah. So, get a head start. Go and look for them right now. And don't tell me, how can I think it's a, it's a simha? When, and it, it is. When you learn about Al-Khot Sukkot, you, you get this natural happiness. It's still, that simha is what will carry over into the days of Aset Yimei Chubah and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Also that we should be written. To a good year that Hashem sees us how we're involved in His mitzvot and we're running after His mitzvot. And Hazat tells us, 30 days before the holiday comes, we must begin already to learn about the holiday to understand about the holiday. So that's what we're doing right now. We're in the 30 days before the holiday and we're learning about the holiday of Sukkot. 
When buying a sukkah, what are you looking for? Well, a sukkah is basically made up of walls and a schach. So that's what we're going to discuss. Let's begin with the walls. The best thing when you walk into a store, you're looking for a sukkah. Of course, you know, it's got to be affordable to you. It's got to be worth your money. But we're talking about a guy who could afford it and everything. And even if you can't afford it, you can, you can figure out how to make it cheap. Best thing that you want to buy for the walls of a sukkah, of a sukkah is any wall that is solid. That is not flimsy. It's a very solid wall. A few examples. For example, if you want to use wooden walls, wooden panels, okay, they sell wooden panels, sukkah, or you could go to the Home Depot or any of those uh, stores and make your own walls. You know the measurements. You could tell them. You could buy plywood and tell them how to cut it. So the best walls to have is a solid wall, like a wooden wall. Or if you want to buy them ready, they have fiberglass walls. And of course... If you want to use the walls of your backyard, that's also mutar. It's not a problem. Walls can be made out of anything. The best is to have something that's solid, that wouldn't move when the regular wind blows it. Okay? That is the first thing you're looking for. However, most people have Sukkot already. They have a Sukkot already, and they have, a lot of them have the, what do you call it, the easy... um, the easy sukkah, I think it's called easy sukkah, or basically, it's you build it very easy way. So these sukkot are made out of the walls are made out of fi- fabric. Now fabric walls are not so pashut. It's not so simple fabric walls. You don't want to get fabric walls lechatehila. I'll tell you why. What are the issues with it? Now if you have fabric walls sukkah, pay attention. Now what? Uh, maybe you'll fit into this category. Maybe not. Let's begin in the following way. Okay. A wall in halakha may not match what you would call a wall in reality. Okay? It means that if I'm looking at a wall, you tell me right now, is this a wall? I'll tell you yes. If you tell me, look at this, according to halakha, it may be a wall, but according to you, it might not be a wall. I'll give you a very, very simple example. There's a deen called levud. What is levud? Levud is a deen, is a law that Moshe Rabbeinu, when coming down from Sinai, he told it to the Jewish people. It's one of those oral laws, Torah Shabbat Al-Peh. The Halakha Moshe Sinai teaches us that anytime I have two items, two physical objects, that are within the distance of three tefahim to each other, then that constitutes a levud, that creates a, a, a spiritual wall. And that wall will qualify for whenever I need a halakhic wall. That's a very strange thing. Which means... I could look at a wall and see nothing more than a bunch of sticks that are about 20 centimeters away from each other. And I could, you know, for sure throw things in between it. And according to Halakha, that will be considered a 100% halakhic wall. Where if I would take a sheet of fabric, let's say of a ta- if I take a tablecloth or if I take the, the bed sheets and I go and I uh, nail them in, and I put them up, it may not qualify as a wall. What do you mean? And you ask most people, this looks more than a wall than the sticks standing next to each other. So we have to establish something from the beginning. These halakhot, just like sukkah, who told you to make a sukkah? Who said that the sukkah has to be the way it is? The Torah, halakha Moshem Sinai? Likewise, when it comes, if you want to know now the definition of a wall of a sukkah, or a wall in general, according to halakha, you have to go with the definition of the halakha, not what you think is a wall. So therefore, just because you bought a sukkah 
And listen, I didn't do it. The guy in the, in the, in the sukkah store, the guy who was selling it, he told me it's a kosher sukkah. He has a kippah, he has a beard. It doesn't go by what the, what the guy is wearing. What, it goes by what the halakha says. Is a fabric wall considered a wall according to halakha? I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it is either. First, try to understand it. Let's talk halakha. Shohan Aruch. Obviously, this is coming from halakhot. Shohan Aruch brings the following case. Shohan Aruch talks about building a sukkah where the walls are made out of the branches of the tree. <clears throat> I'm not talking about the schach. We're just talking about the walls right now. I'm not talking about the roof, okay? <coughs> so if I'm building a sukkah and I want to make the walls made out of the branches of a tree, can I do so or not? Says Listen to the words. It's very important. I usually don't like to quote you know, the, the this books inside. I, I figure you'll trust me. But in this case, you have to see it because there's a diuk. We have to emphasize on the words of Shohan Aruch, we'll be able to learn much of the halakhot. Says Shohan Aruch, If a person makes a sukkah between the trees, meaning to say that the trees are serving as a wall for it, then, if they were very strong, or even if they were not strong, but you tie them to strengthen them, um, how, how tight do they have to be? Until that a common wind, a regular wind, not only a windy day, a regular day, depends where you live, depends the area of the world that you live in, but if you have a regular wind blowing, it will not constantly move them. Obviously, now if you're making trees as a wall, they can have gaps in between. So he says, And you also filled up the gaps with different types of material that a common wind will not move them. Very good. This is a kosher wall. This is how he explains the trees. Now, the emphasis is the next point. Look what listen to what Shohan Ruk writes afterwards. He says, It is not proper for a person to make all of the walls of a sukkah from Linen, over here, is linen or, or flax, from linen material. It shouldn't be made out of uh, uh, shades of linen without any sticks attached to them. Even though you might have tied them very, very well, sometimes sometimes they, the, whatever you tied them with rips apart and a person, or comes apart, and a person doesn't even realize it, and in such a case where what you tied has been untied, it makes it a mechitza that cannot be able to stand in a common wind. Okay, so therefore, what's, so therefore, Shahar is telling you it's no good, right? Look how he concludes his words. If you want to use this kind of material, you want to use fabric for your walls, then what he says, what you should do is you should sew them on to sticks with, and align the sticks within three tefahim to each other. What we learn from this Shohan Aruch is that anything that the wind moves is a problem. And it, then he gives a suggestion and he says, it's not a good idea to make your walls out of fabric. Pishan is linen, right? That's fabric. So he says you shouldn't make your walls out of fabric. Even if you tie them, it's no good. Let's analyze the, the, the words of Shohan Aruch one statement at a time. The first thing he says is that you cannot have the wind blowing them. 
What kind of wind are we talking about? There's a very important thing to keep in mind. The wind that we're discussing over here is a common wind, not a stormy wind. Because if you're dealing with a wind that's not common, that comes whenever there's a storm, then there's no end to it. There's some winds that are able to destroy houses. Can pick up a whole house and completely destroy it. Pick up buildings and destroy them. Are you going to tell me now that the walls that are of a house are not solid? We live in a house. It's not going to be any worse than the, the walls of a sukkah. So obviously that's not the kind of walls that we're talking about. That kind of wind that we're talking about. We're talking about a wind that's a common wind. Regularly when you walk outside and you see the wind and you feel the wind, that's it's a very light wind and that's it. Good? So that is the first thing to keep in mind. We're talking about a regular common wind. It says cannot move. What's called moving? So here we have three different opinions. According to the Hazon East, when Maran Shuharuk writes that the wind cannot move them, he explains that they can move a little bit. Uh, in fact, he says that you could, they can even move up to three tefahim. You know, that is three tefahim. That's up to like 24 centimeters. If they're able to move up to 24 centimeters, it's fine, even though it's f- if the wind is blowing it, as long as it's not moving more than three tefahim, it's fine. That's the opinion of the Hazon Ish. Which according to him, if I would take a fabric, well, the ones, you know, that they sell, the, the, the uh, Sukkot that we're talking about till now, the ones that they sell in the stores with the, with the material that's made out of fabric, and I make my walls of the sukkah out of this fabric, according to Hazon Ish, it's not going to move three tefahim. We know that's reality. According to Hazon Ish, it's fine. Let it move. Big deal if it's moving. It's not moving. That's the opinion of Hazon Ish. Ramosha Feinstein is not as mekil as the Hazon Ish. Ramosha Feinstein says, no, no, it doesn't mean it's moving through. He says that it moves, it moves a little bit. But it's not completely out of there. I think he says about a tefah. If it moves around the tefah, that's not called moving. That's not a big deal. To move around the tefah, that means within, if the walls move back and forth from the wind, within a tefah, where the tefah is about 8 centimeters, that's what Shohan Ruch means, it's not a big deal. However, Hakam Badia is very, very stringent. Hakam Badia Zatzal brings many Ahronim, including the Mishneh Halachot, the Ungvarav, the Halachot Shlomo, the name of Shlomo Zaman Orbach, and he explains, moving is a problem, even kol shehu, even a little bit. And many, many Ahronim, by the way, go with the Hakam Badia, because Maran says, he doesn't explain how much. If he wanted to tell me a tef, up to a tefah or up to three tefah, he should have said it. But since he, Maran disqualified a moving wall, so we have to say even the wall moves a little bit, it's going to be a problem. So therefore, according to Hakam Avadiyah, if I have a sukkah where the walls are made out of material, it's going to be a problem because the wind is certainly moving it a little bit. And that means it's only moving a centimeter too. Who cares? The walls of a regular sukkah, of a wooden panel sukkah, all the walls of your house don't move even a little bit. Can you imagine that? If our walls in the house moved? So therefore, says Hakam Abadiyah, sukkah made out of fabric walls is no good. Even if you want to tell me I'm going to tie it up, he says, what does Shohan Ruk say? You can't even tie it up because what if that what you use to tie rips? And if it rips, you're not going to have a wall. And you're not even going to realize if it ripped because you don't know. You can't check over there. And if the wound moves a little bit, like he said, it is a pasul sukkah. Or at least the walls are disqualified. That is the opinion of Akham Abadiyah. So we have three opinions over here. So now the question is as follows. Okay, so I have already, Rabbi, listen, I'm not going to buy a sukkah. 
already have a sukkah. I have a fabric wall sukkah. In fact, my neighbor who's very religious and his father's a rabbi and he's a rabbi, he also has a fabric wall sukkah. And here, hey, I'll tell you the truth, I even have a fabric wall sukkah. What's going on over here? How can it be? Is our sukkah really kosher or not? So one step at a time, let me explain to you how it works. First of all, question comes up is, can you tie the sukkah well? We already said, Maran said, even if you tie it, doesn't seem to be okay, right? That's the Pashup Shah Maran. However, and, and we said, Ahamadiyah says, even if you tie it very, very, it doesn't work. However, you should know, there's a great rabbi that used to live in our days, maybe passed away about 15 years ago, maybe. His name is Moshe Levi. Young, but big, huge Tamir Hakan. He's the author of Menuhat Ahava, as well as Berkat Hashem and Tiflal Moshe. Many, many Sfarim in his young life. But he was a tremendous, tremendous Tamir Hakam. Him and also his Rosh Hashiva, Rav Mazuz, this is all brought down in the Ishma Seyal Mishnah Biruha. They make a very nice diyuk. According to Maran, listen to the words. He says, What's the problem with tying your sukkah? What's the problem with tying your walls are made out of fabric? The problem is that it might rip without you realizing it. He says, what if I would have a sukkah where the walls are made out of fabric, but there's no way possible for this sukkah to lose what I tied it with? The only way it loses is if the whole sukkah will crumble down. What's that talking about? For example, if I have the fabric walls, you know those walls where you have the metal pipes going into the actual mahitsa, and therefore, the, the, for sure, the place where it's hooked up to the metal poles is not going to move. It's mamash into the mahitsa. I'm not stitching it. I'm not tying it. The wall itself has a piece that is the, the structure of the sukkah itself. It's not going to fall. Yes, true, in between, the wind might push it, but it's not going to fall down. He says that's not a problem. And you can be medayek from the Shon of Shohan Aruch. He says, I can innachon la'asokalam mehitzo me'ra'oshepishan. Why? Because it might rip without you realizing it. But if it wasn't going to rip, if you would make it arpishtan, who cares? The wind is pushing it just a little bit. It's not a big deal. So therefore, he says it's kasher if you have such a sukkah where the actual wall itself is not just a wall that you tied on, but the wall goes into the physical structure of the sukkah, like the case where the metal poles are the ones going into the wall, the fabric wall, and holding it up. That's the opinion of of, of uh, Rav Moshe Levi Zatzal and Ibadil Hayim Harav Meir Mazuz from Kisera Hamim. Okay, but still Hakam Badia disqualified it. You look at Hazon of Badia, he writes, no, it's Pasul. He doesn't let, let it go. He says, I don't care if you tied it. He doesn't give a, a, an exception. He says, anytime you use a fabric wall sukkah, it's Pasul. So you have to know a rule that we're going to say again and again later on. Sukkot is a special holiday. It comes once a year. It's considered by the Zohar very, very holy, as we'll discuss in length later on. So therefore, you don't want to do a mitzvah that's coming up only once a year. You don't want to do it in a way that some people are posilit, especially somebody huge like Acham Vadiah who says it's pasul. Somebody like Alichot Shlomo, Rabshom Zaman Orbach, the Ongvarav. You don't want to do that. So therefore, make sure you try to do according to all she taught. So I just mentioned before, and I personally have a sukkah where the walls are made out of fabric walls. So how come I can do that? And the answer is that although the sukkah on the, to the uh, person watching it from the outside, it seems like it's a sukkah made out of fabric walls, I'm not relying on the fabric walls to be the walls for my sukkah. That's not what I really use for my walls, for the halakha walls that is. Remember, keep in mind, you could use whatever you want as a wall for sinyaut, that people shouldn't see you, what you're doing on the inside of the sukkah. As far as halakha is concerned, the wall has to qualify according to halakha. And therefore, we said, you could 
technically make a wall out of many sticks, even though they're not right next to each other, as long as they're within three tefahim of each other. That's around 22 centimeters. If I take many sticks and I put them next to each other, it doesn't make a difference if it's going horizontally or vertically. If I put many sticks next to each other, within a distance of 20 centimeters each, they create a wall. And therefore, that's what I have to do. I have to create a halachic wall. And that's what I do in my house with my balcony. I have a balcony. That's where I put the sukkah. And the walls of the balcony is what I use for a wall to be kashir. How do I do that? Well, you measure the balcony. And the balcony has many rods in the middle. There's no distance of three to from each other. That's it. I have a kosher sukkah. Uh, how high does it have to be? We're going to see later on, it's going to have to be 10 tefahim high. So I also make sure that the balcony wall itself is higher than 10 tefahim according to halakha. And then I have a call. Now, I don't want people to look at me when I'm eating or when I'm sleeping in my sukkah. So then I'll put up beautiful walls that, are, that came with the sukkah in order to cover me, to protect me from the ayin hara. And of course, when people watching me, or for scenarios reasons for watching me from inside the sukkah. So therefore, if you have a fabric wall sukkah, make sure you could to kosher up your walls. How? By either putting up the wooden sticks, like we said, it could be metal bars, it could be made of any material. Just make sure you make enough of a space that's going to qualify for a kosher sukkah, which is 10 tefahim high, and the sticks should be within a distance of 3 tefahim to each other. This can be done with sticks. This can be done even with strings. You ever notice in some of the sukkot, they have like a string running on the bottom of the whole sukkah, running all around the sukkah. So that string itself, when it's that is what's really there for as a wall. So therefore, when it's between, when it's coming there, it's between, it's uh, it's placed within a distance of the other string within less than three tefahim that serves as a wall, a halachic wall for you. And that you have a kosher sukkah right then. Even though you have a fabric wall sukkah, the strings is what makes the walls kasher. That is the sukkah, that is what you're looking out for, and that is what you look out for if you already have a sukkah. And of course, if you're coming to buy it, you know, if you could afford it and buy the fiberglass or the wooden panels, that's obviously the best. But if not, you can still use the fabric wall sukkah, but just use it in such a way. Now, anybody who is not makshirit this way, who doesn't want to kosher his sukkah this way, that means he you, he has a fabric wall sukkah, and he doesn't want to put up the strings, he doesn't want to put up the sticks. According to Acham Avadiyah, you can't make a beracha in there. However, of course, according to Hazonish, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, and in a certain way, according to Rabbi Moshe Levi, you could still make a beracha inside. You'll have to check with your regular local rabbi to ask him exactly what to do, especially if you're eating by other people's houses. This is the first thing we need to know about sukkah, are the walls of a sukkah. Next, we come to the next item in the sukkah, is the schach, the roof. The roof of a sukkah is known as schach. In fact, Rashim Masechet Sukkah says that the whole sukkah, the name derives from this roof named as a schach. Schach in Hebrew means like a cover, which, uses, which is used to, as a shade to protect. So the schach, Halakha tells us, Gemara tells us, has three conditions in order to qualify as a kosher schach. The roof of a sukkah needs three conditions in order to qualify as a kosher roof. What are these three conditions? Number one, it has to be made from natural material that grows from the ground. 
Natural material means something that's not processed and has to also grow from the ground, like wood grows from the ground. Um, let's for, but metals which come from the ground but they don't grow into the ground same thing as stones stones come from the ground you can't get more than that right dirt and stone these things are found in the ground but they don't grow they don't they don't develop like the way wood is branches so therefore plastic polyester metal stones all these things cannot be used as ischach at all second condition in order to be you to be qualified as ischach even though it grows from the ground still it cannot be still attached to the ground so we just mentioned beforehand wood is something that grows from the ground branches of a tree would be good as ischach as long as they are not connected to the tree so long as they're connected to the tree then it disqualifies it from ischach you have to rip them off the tree in order for them to be able to be ischach so Branches of trees uh, that you want to pull down from your tree they have in your backyard and use as ischach will not work. You have to first cut off the branches and put it back and put it on as ischach. The third condition, you may have something that's made out of uh, wood or whatever it is, made out of something that could be used, uh, that grows from the ground, but if it's possible for it to become tummy, even though you have the other two conditions, it grows from the ground and it's not attached, but if it's possible for it to become tame, then... Now, the Chad tells us that it's also pasu for Ischach. I'll give you an example. Fruits, right? A fruit is something that grows from the ground. If I ripped it off the tree, it could basically, you know, I could, uh, I could eat, I, I, it's not attached to the ground. And maybe you could think I could use it as Ischach. The answer is no, you cannot use it as Ischach. Why can't you use it as Ischach? Because it's able to be Mekabir Tumah. Anything that is edible by humans has the din of possibly potentially becoming Tameh and cannot be used as Ischach. So you can say, what in the world am I going to use Ischach? That would be food. I don't know. You have lettuce. You went and bought yourself lettuce and your wife yelled at you, what are you doing? What do you think? I have four hours to sit there and clean every head of lettuce? I don't need it. So now you say, hey, you know what? Maybe yeah, let me use it as Ischach. At least for one day. Who cares? We're only here for one night. Okay? So such a thing when you take the leaves. Look, they grow from the ground and they are basically, they're not attached to the ground. I can use it. No, it's food. Food is edible by human. The lettuce is edible by humans. And therefore, it will be disqualified to be used as a schach. Even though there are other reasons for the lettuce, but that's the halakha. Those are three conditions. Again, it has to be natural material growing from the ground. It cannot be connected to the ground. And it cannot be able to get tum'ah. The most common thing that people use is bamboo sticks. Bamboo sticks are basically regular wood that grows from the ground. It's obviously detached, the fact that you're getting it to your house. And it's not made to be a receptacle. And therefore, doesn't it's not made, It's not going to be mekabel tum'ah. And that's the best, best material you can use for schach. You could also use, by the way, if the lulab, you wait up on lulab in the tree and you let it grow, like the palm trees, that's what lulab is from, really. You can take those things from the palm trees and you can use that as a schach. In fact, in the Israel, a lot of people use that. It's because they have a lot of palm trees over there. So if you're listening to this, in Florida, we have also a lot of palm trees. Go ahead, you have palm trees in your backyard, rip the, take off the branches and take off the things and you can use it as a schach. No problem, you're not eating it, it's detached and it naturally grows from the ground. Fine. Now, there's something else that you have to keep in mind when looking for a schach and that is, there's a deen of something that bar ma'amid. I don't want to go into so much detail over here, but if you have a kosher schach, 
But what's keeping the schach on your sukkah, where without it the schach would fall off your sukkah, is something that is disqualified from being a schach, from kosher schach, it should be pasul. What do I mean? Technically, if I have a mixture of kosher schach and not kosher schach, what's a halacha? For example, let's say I have in my, I take a schach, I put some metal pieces inside of my schach. What's halacha? The halacha is we go by the majority. What is the majority? If the majority is kosher schach, it's great. If the majority is not kosher schach, then it's no good. Whatever the minority is, we say it's batil berov. So now, this is only true when the item itself that is the minority that's pasul, that's disqualified for schach, is there as another ingredient or another just serving as a schach. When the non-kosher schach is being used to support and to make sure that the kosher schach stays in place, where without it the kosher schach would not be there, then it will be pasul because of dabar ha-ma'amid. According to according to the Rama, let me explain to you. Let's take for example, I have a kosher schach, and this is most commonly used by mats. Let's say I have a mat. You know the mats, this this schach mats that they sell. So once upon a time, the way they used to make them till today, you still have some people make them, is that they would take the string that's made out of polyester, sometimes out of plastic, not hard plastic, obviously so plastic. And they would use it to stitch up all the small pieces of the mat. Now, the mat itself is made out of very, very thin slices of bamboo sticks. And they're sewing it all together with this polyester string. Where does polyester come from? Although polyester comes from um, petroleum, which grows in the ground, but still doesn't, it's not naturally growing. It's just found in the ground. So therefore... Polyester is pasul When I use the polyester strings now to hold up the schach, according to the Rama, since the polyester here is called dabar ma'amid, it disqualifies the whole schach. And therefore, my whole schach is not kosher, according to the Rama. According to Shohan Aruch, however, even if I'm using dabar ma'amid, even if I'm using something that's not kasher as a schach, to hold up my schach, according to Shohan Aruch, it is mutar. So therefore, this mat with the polyester string, there's no problem. I can use it. And I can even make a bracha on it. And that's really the al And of course, but we have to tell you, and that is, that although it's a, according to Maran, it's mutar, like we said beforehand, you want to be your tzik according to opinions. We'll talk about it a little bit more later on. So let's go practically now. If you're going out to buy a sukkah, or if you're going to buy, or if you have a sukkah, you're just going out to get a schach, your best option is to buy bamboo sticks. The best. Nobody will argue that's a kashe schach. You know, I've seen gedolei sa'il. This is what they use for their schach. That's the best option. The next option you can do, it's also kashe, lechat as well, is that they sell mats where the material is 100% wood that's kashe for schach. And the strings are being used to hold up those small pieces of wood is a material that also qualifies for schach. It's like basically, it's a string made out of the uh, things that come out of the tree. This is natural, it's not processed, it's, it, it grows from the ground as well. So therefore, that's also very, very good. If a person is going to buy a mat, which is held up either by glue or anything that's not, uh, that's not kasher to use itself as a schach, means the, the main parts which is, is, is made out of natural wood, 
and that can be used as chach, but what's holding it together is not befitting to be as chach, in that case, you enter a mahlok between Shohan Aruch and the Ramah. That is the laws of schach. Now, the next thing when you're buying a sukkah or when you're making, putting up your sukkah, is to look out for things that you want to try to avoid. Number one thing that you want to try to avoid is a mahlokit. What do I mean, a mahlokit? We just said beforehand that Shohan Aruch is matir something and the Ramah says it's pasul. We're going to learn also more things later on where it would be mutar according to one opinion it's asur according to another opinion. Although, if you hold like one of the opinions, it should be mutar, you don't want to do something where it's mutar according to some and asur according to others. Why do you want to put yourself in a mahlokit when you could avoid the mahlokit? If you can't avoid it, you're somewhere, you're stuck somewhere in the Midwest and you have no sukkah, you can't order sukkah that's going to be delivered to you. I don't know if that's possible today with Amazon. But let's say, for some reason, Amazon doesn't want to deliver to there. It says, you know, it's a war zone. Whatever it is, you want to build yourself a sukkah. And then you have to be somech on shitoda matir. Although the matir, even like atila, okay, fine. But if you're living in Brooklyn, New York, you're living in Lakewood, you're living in Muncie, you have a thousand stores that are selling sukkah just outside your house. You know, you don't even have to walk so far to get it. So yes, it's going to cost you a little bit more money. Still, a little bit more money is worth it to do a mitzvah according to all opinions. Imagine, it's the best way to imagine. Imagine make a sukkah. According to Shohan Aruch, it's 100% kasher. Okay? You go to shul and, you know, you want to invite somebody for your house for your sukkah. And who do you see in shul? The rabbi comes over, over the shul comes over to you and says, Listen, we have a special guest here today. Who is the guest? None other than Rab Moshe Isilish. The Ramah himself, he came out of Tehiyatim, he came to Shul today, and he, need, he, he's, he needs a place to sleep. I would love to take him to my sukkah, but I'm eating by my in-laws, and it's not nice to invite another guest. Listen, would you like to have him over to your house? Imagine you bring the Ramah to your house. Would the Ramah sit in your sukkah? You say, listen, I came out of Tehiyatim, so I could do mitzvot. You're putting me in the sukkah where I hold this pasul? So why do you want to put yourself in a mahlokit? Avoid a mahlokit, Right? You want to make a sukkah that's kasher according to all opinions. It's kasher according to the Ramah, it's kasher according to the Mishabrah, it's kasher according to the Hazon Ish, it's kasher according to the opinions. Don't just say, maram, maram, maram. Yes, maram is matirit, achamad yaz matirit. But preferably you should try to make, to try to do all mitzvot, and specifically the mitzvah of sukkot, right after Yom Kippur, in a way that's not a mahalog according to any opinion. That is the, uh, our take on that point. The other thing you want to avoid when buying, purchasing a sukkah or putting up a sukkah or, you know, getting a sukkah from a friend or whatever it is, is that you want to get a sukkah that should be, that sh- would make the mitzvah easy to do every year. A lot of times out of excitement, people buy certain things, uh, certain mitzvot that are hard to maintain, are hard to keep up to do that mitzvah. Let's take, for example, the example of sukkah. Let's say you're buying a sukkah. And you're buying the sukkah and it's beautiful and everything. And you're buying it when you're buying it in the year where Sukkot falls out earlier in the year. And the weather is nice and beautiful and sunny and it's hot. So by you sitting in the sukkah, it's you know, it might be a little bit chilly outside, but it's not so bad because pretty nice, nice weather. But the next year we're gonna have a leap year, and all of a sudden we have a leap year. Sukkot will be in October, the weather will be a little bit colder, and it's gonna make it very hard to sit in the sukkah. Everybody will be shivering in your sukkah. So you don't want to get a sukkah that one year you're comfortable in, one year you're not. 
You want to put it in the heaters, you want to put it in the AC, that's up to you, fine, that's great. But basically, you want to get a sukkah, which makes it easy to put up, makes it easy to use, and also, we want to make it easy to put it away for storage. Because you don't want to look, you don't want to dread the time of, you know, Sukkot coming because, oh boy, I have to build my Sukkot. Baruch Hashem, in general, there's such a happy atmosphere after Yom Kippur, everybody's excited to go and do the Mitzvot of Sukkah. Baruch Hashem. So you also want to look forward to building the Sukkah. You don't, you don't want Sukkah to be something like a burden where everybody has to fight. You do it, get your brother to do it, get your this one to do it, then you have to go hire a goy to do it. You want to make it again as easy as possible, easy to store, easy to put up, and easy to use as well. Next thing when you're buying a Sukkot or putting up the Sukkah is decorations. Decorations, in fact, there's halakhot about decorations. It's brought down in Shohana Ruch, it's a Gemara, that there's a special mitzvah to decorate your Sukkah. Why? The Gemara tells us whenever we do mitzvot, we shouldn't do just the minimum possible. We want to do mitzvot in the best way that we can. We want to beautify the mitzvah. So you're buying a sukkah, you're putting up a sukkah, don't make it dry and, and, and uh, boring. Decorate it. What should you decorate it with? The best thing you can decorate it with is pictures of Gedolim. Pictures of great rabbis that inspire you, that you look up to. Perhaps maybe you learn the sefarim. That should be your ideal pictures to put up in your sukkah. Pictures of great rabbis, that should be a place of holiness. Also, what's good to do is you can put up even pictures of your little kids that they make in school for sukkot. It's good to do that for the children, that they feel part of the sukkah. Sometimes they're so young and they want to help in the sukkah, and you know that the best way that your kids could help is by staying away. <laughs> you know, Let them stay on the side and let me do my work. Don't come in my way. That's how you can help. And they want to partake in it. So let them hang up their pictures from sukkah. And sometimes it's very silly. And you work so hard to make everything so perfect. And now they come with their little, you know, unmatching and uneven picture frame and things. Who cares? Let them put it up. Let them feel that they're also part of the sukkah. Even though it's only a picture of them. So put it right next to the great rabbis and say, one day, that's going to be you. That's sort of gift they used to do it in his uh, room in the yeshiva. Put up pictures of the kids. Let them feel part of it. Now here I have to stick something very, very important. And that is, although the Hacha tells us, and Hazat tells us, we have to live in the Sukkah as we live in our house. In our house we have plenty of pictures of our children. And we have children pictures of your older, you have pictures of your children and grandchildren when they're married even. And sometimes people are not careful in their own house and they put up pictures of relatives where the ladies are not dressed properly. Well, in the sukkah, you cannot do that. In sukkah, although it has to be treated like your house, at the same time, a sukkah has to be treated like a shul. And therefore, you have to maintain the holiness of the sukkah. It's a place where the shekhinah dwells. And one has to be careful not to bring down the Kedushah of sukkah in any which way. You cannot, cannot, the sukkah, it cannot be a place where you would put up pictures that are inappropriate, that you would not put up in the shul or in the yeshiva classroom. You will not put up pictures of your relative who is not just bitsniyaut there. You should not put up in your sukkah. It's eight days, nobody will get offended. If that means you have to take away all pictures, even Gedolei Yisrael pictures, fine, take that away. Better not to degrade the sukkah than to put up things that will lower the kedushah of the sukkah. So that's something very important to keep in mind. Decorations are beautiful and recommended as long as they enhance the kedushah of the sukkah. Once they do the opposite, they take away from the Kedusha, it's Asur 
to put it up in the sukkah. Next thing we have to keep in mind also as a halakha, every sukkah needs lights because you use the sukkah in the evening. And therefore, when you're putting up the lights, there are some halakhot. What is the halakha? If something is coming down, hanging up, hanging down from the sukkah, so if it's the size of four tefahim wide, it could be potentially a problem. When is it a problem? If it's coming down from the schach, or mean to say, or it's being held, put up in the sukkah, it's four tefahim wide, and it's far from the schach, a distance of four tefahim. How much is four tefahim? Again, we're going with the shiur of Rab Haim Na'eh, which is the shiur of the Sfaradim. This is the more stringent shiur in this halakha. The shiur of 45 over here is 32 centimeters, which is about a foot. 12.5 inches, okay? It's about a foot. So therefore, if you have the lights hanging down from the schach, where they're hanging, or, or, or you pull up in the sukkah, where they're far from the schach, a distance of 45 if the lights themselves are fortifying wide, you cannot sit under that part of the sukkah. It's pasul. However, if your lights are very wide, they're more than fortifying, but they're hung up on the schach itself, or they're basically within fortifying of the schach, then in that case, it's considered part of the schach, and it's not a problem. You could even sit under it. Like some people in their sukkah, they make beautiful sukkot, and they like to put these beautiful chandeliers. Sometimes you have huge chandeliers like the way you have by the Hasidim. Ever go to the Hasidish uh, uh, Sukkot? It's so worth it. It's in our backyard right here in Borough Park. Go there and see some of the most beautiful Sukkot that the, they build in the shuls by the Hasidim. They have this magnificent chandelier of many fruits, many different things. It's larger than even 40, um, uh, 40 tefahim. You know what I'm saying? It's huge. It's not a problem to sit under because why? It's within Fortifahim to the ceiling, at least the upper part of it. Even if it's hanging down from there, it's fine. As long as it starts within Fortifahim to the ceiling, whatever's hanging down, it's fine. Okay. That is the halachot that we need to know for lights. Now, a very quick halachot regarding building the sukkah, and the rest, Barzat Hashem, will leave for next week. Building the sukkah. Before we come to talk about building the sukkah, we have to give an introduction. When it comes to the holiday of sukkot, you have to know your measurements. You have to know what a tefah is, what an amma is, how they measure in centimeters, how they measure in inches, how they measure in feet. And you have to be very, very uh, skilled in this. You have to have these measurements ready and at hand because everything is basically according to measurements. You need to know what's the minimum and you want to go as large as possible. According to halakha, you could. Let's begin. There are two measurements that are used when it comes to the making the building of a sukkah. One is called a tefah, one is called an amma. Those are the names in Hebrew. Each amma has six tefahim. That means the amma itself is made up of six different tefahim. So when you know the measurement of a tefah, you multiply it by six and you know the measurement of an amma. Most of the time, the measurement that will be used is a tefah. And that's the most common measurement that we use or or we need for halakha is a tefah. Sometimes we'll have amma, but in general you need to know what a tefah is. So how much is a tefah? Tefah literally means a fist, the size of a fist. But that's defined in halakha because obviously you look at your two-year-old's fist and you look at your fist, if you, especially if you're about six, seven feet tall, the fists are going to be two different, complete two different sizes. So what's the definition of a tefah? How much is a fist? This is a debatable, this is a mahlokit. 
and we're going to use the two main shitot that people follow, the opinion of the Hazon Ish and that of the of Rabhaim Na'eh. According to the Hazon Ish, each tefah measures 9.6 centimeters. 9.6 centimeters is 3.78 inches, around 3.8 inches. That's the opinion of the Hazon Ish. According to Rabhaim Na'eh, no, each tefah has 8 centimeters, which makes it 3.15 inches. 3 inches and around 3.2 inches about, let's say, let's say 3.2 inches. So there's a discrepancy of 1.6 centimeters between a Hazon Ish, who's larger than a Pahim which is shorter. It doesn't seem such a big deal, 1.6 centimeters, but when you add it and you multiply it, for example, we need 10 tefahim, when you need 20 amot, that's going to make a huge difference. The halakha for the Sfaradim, the minhag of the Sfaradim, the way Hakam Wadiya brings it down, and Hakam Ben Sion as well, I don't believe any Sfaradi will disagree that this is a minhag of the Sfaradim, is that we follow the opinion of Rabhaim Haim Na'im. Not because we follow Rabhaim Na'eh, but that is the Minhag of the Sfaradim throughout all the generations. Rabhaim Na'eh was within the last 50 years. The Sfaradim throughout all the hundreds of years in our history, we've always followed the Shita that is consistent with Rabhaim Na'eh. And that is, that a Tefah is the size of 8 centimeters. That's the Sfaradim. It's pretty simple. You follow Rabhaim Na'eh. What about the Ashkenazim? So the Ashkenazim, the Pesket Shuvot, I saw he brings down, that when it comes to, these, to the Mizvah of Sukkah, most of the dini, most of the laws dealing with sukkah are midoraita, are biblical. And therefore, we have the rule, safek doraita lehumra. You always want to use the measurement where you'll be yotze even in the stringent way. What does that mean? It means as follows. Let's say the halakha requires a certain amount of height minimum. For example, the height of a wall. The halakha says that the minimum Height of a wall has to be 10 tefahim. That's going to be a huge difference between Rabhaim Na'eh and Hazon Ish. According to Rabhaim Na'eh, the size of 10 tefahim is 2 feet 8 inches. I'm rounding it off. 2 feet 8 inches. According to Hazon Ish, 2 feet 8, two feet eight inches is not enough. You need to go another 4 inches, and that is 3 feet 2 inches. So if I have a wall of 10 tefahim, according to Rabhaim Na'eh, which is 2 feet 8 inches, According to Hazonis, it's pasul, it's not a wall yet. It needs another few more inches until it's three feet two inches. So therefore, according to Ashkesim, they say, whenever you have a mahloki like this, you should go with the Mahmir opinion over here to be like the Hazonish. However, sometimes I'll have to be Mahmir by following the opinion of Rabhaim Na'eh. How is that so? For example, you're allowed to sleep in the sukkah. You, excuse me, when sleeping in the sukkah, you're allowed to cover yourself with something as long as the cover is not a distance of 10 tefahim from the ground. How much is 10 tefahim from the ground going up? So also going to be a difference. According to the Hazon Ish, as I could sleep under something that's up to 3 feet 2 inches tall. According to Rabhaim Na'eh, no, if something is above 2 feet 8 inches, let's make it 2 feet 7 inches, it's going to be a problem. So therefore, in such a case, the Pesket Shavuot says, according, even according to Ashkenazim, you should be Mahmir. Because over here, the, the maximum allowed height is debatable, and it's a safik Doraita. So use a more stringent measurement, which is the measurement of Rabhaim Na'eh. And if you're sleeping under something in the sukkah, it should not be higher, taller than 
two feet eight inches so that's the general rule you'll always have to look wherever it's a bigger humrah the more humrah and you'll go with that shita for our sake for this class not to make it so confusing for everybody we will be using the measurements in general the measurement of Rabhaim Naim I guess the smallest size of a tefah which is 8 centimeter or 3.15 inches per tefah we will mention sometimes a hazon ish, you know, because we'll explain why, why we have to mention it. But in general, whenever we say tefah or I give a measurement, I'm usually going with the measurement of Rabhaim Na'ed, that's Minhag and Faradim. And sometimes it comes out also more lehumrah that way, more than hazon ish. So we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it just to know the measurements of tefah and amot. And Bezat Hashem will continue the rest of the halachot of sukkah partially next week and also the week all the way afterwards after Yom Kippur, the week of Sukkot, that will be on Tuesday. And again, a reminder, next week, Rezat Hashem, the Halakha hour will be on Tuesday, not Wednesday, it will be on Tuesday at 2 o'clock. And this Halakha itself will be, uh, oh, excuse me, this class itself will be repeated on the air again tonight at 11 o'clock here on jrootradio.com. And that's it for the class. We just want to give you the numbers again if you would like to call or text in to call into the station if you have any questions off the air. It's 718-683-5858. If you want to text in anything for the next 10-15 minutes, we'll be here. 347-927-8398. Until next week, on Tuesday, we will see you. We will uh, uh, wish you a wonderful end of the year. It's the last week of the year, but I use it well. And we want to give again a big thank you to... Iran, BSD Productions, the whole J-Root Radio staff, David Levine, Rav Nisim, Lazari, and everybody else. Have a wonderful week and a Shabbat Shalom.